Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast, your home for open and thought-provoking conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators on their technologies for building greener and smarter cities. Hey everyone, I'm Nadine Khala, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Internet of Nature podcast. This episode sadly marks the last of season two, but we're ending it on a high note with today's guest, Matthew Wells. Matt is the city of Santa Monica's public landscape manager that I'm honored to now call a friend. Matt and I first met a few years back on LinkedIn. I think we bonded over our frustration that private greenery is still so often excluded in the urban forest discourse. We spent some time discussing that and why it's so important in today's episode. Fun fact, Matt is a former student of Andy Hirons, who was on season two, episode six of the podcast. Today's episode with Matt is a fascinating conversation. I truly learn something new every time I talk to Matt, and I hope you do too. Hello, Matt. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Excited to have you on and and chat a little bit more. Um, Maybe to kick us off, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Matthew Wells. I am the public landscape manager for the city of Santa Monica here in California. Um, you know, we've I've been here for like seven, eight years now, seven years, I think, yeah, seven or eight years. Uh, we're a small city. Um, we have like 90,000 people, but 120,000 trees. We have, um, you know, 35,000 public trees, which, which uh, my team is responsible for. And um, yeah, we're a, a coastal city and we're surrounded on all sides by the, the city of Los Angeles. So um, yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can talk more about my other history, but that's kind of where I am at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. And how did you, how did you get into trees? How did that start for you? Um, so my parents were pharmacists, um, but they loved gardening. And uh, my, my grandparents loved horticulture and gardening. And, you know, so when at the age of like, 16 17 people suddenly start asking you what you're going to do with your life you know you you kind of try and come up with something intelligent i think i had like i had policemen on my list um what else did i have i had you know a few other things that um but the only real pharmacist wasn't one of them no i you know i didn't i don't think i was smart enough i'm not you know know, that my both my parents were pretty clever and i just i kind of knew you have to kind of know what your strengths are right so I didn't think I was smart enough. So, um, but I really enjoyed um, being outside. I really enjoyed helping my father in the in the garden and, and you know walking around the garden with my mother and and her telling this this is this plant and this is that plant and and so on and so forth. So it, you know it, it felt very natural to me. So um, I studied uh, landscape management at the University of Reading, um, and at that time it was kind of like you know there, when I when I was graduating, um, it it was a really difficult time in sort of like I think it was like a depression or there wasn't many jobs but um tree work um you know because I I was like well do I want to do like be a countryside ranger have a little you know land rover and a sheepdog and and, you know work for the national trust um or or do I you know but I kind of you know liked chainsaws and I liked the idea of climbing trees and ropes and harnesses and things like that so um I, I kind of like didn't quite know what to do and I and I it's very hard to get a job like working for a, like a charity in, in, in the UK, like National Trust or be a countryside ranger. It's really, the competition is really hard. Um, mm. But you can always get a job dragging branches and feeding chippers and, and things like that. So I just started working for a local tree company and I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of like, you know, probably too much fun in some ways. And that's how I kind of got into tree work. And, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the sort of, the climbing I enjoyed the sort of physicality of it um but then I then I sort of like because I obviously had a degree I then went to a college called Meriswood in the UK it's like a uh, an agriculture college that specializes or special still specializes in arboriculture um I did some courses there um and just liked it more and more and more and I got my sort of qualifications for the Arboricultural Association's tech cert so I got that qualification which is really like a consultancy level qualifications so um, and that kind of set me up with my degree to be able to get a um, like a sort of more of a sort of a tree officer position 
So I had a couple of jobs, but I ended up at the London Borough of Camden in the UK um, as an arboricultural officer. And, um, you know, I just love that job. And, um, you know, being a tree officer, I was in London. I've always wanted to live in London. So um, it was just, it's a great borough. It still has a fantastic tree program. I was lucky enough to work there under um, Al Smith, who's still very uh, popular and very well known and very, very uh, busy in the UK industry. Um, the London Tree Officers Association was also at that time. I think it still maybe is, it's still housed within Camden. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a great network of all the other tree officers working for all the different London boroughs. So, yeah, so from, you know, so that's kind of, you know, and I've kind of stuck with trees since then. And I still, though, now I'm doing more sort of landscape uh, at, at the, um, at, here at Santa Monica. I also do pier maintenance, I do beach maintenance. Um, so I'm doing all of this, like you would put an English man, particularly right. very pale skin in charge of Santa Monica Pier. I'm not, I'm not sure, but anyway, they do here. So, um, but you know, I really, right. I really enjoy that as well. Um, but yeah. I still, my natural, you know, my wheelhouse, my, my sort of expertise base still is very much trees. And, um, you know, like the talk today, I still just very much enjoy talking about trees, thinking about trees and, and, and you know, trying to make sure that we, you know, here in Santa Monica, that we have the very best tree program or urban forestry program that we can. Right, right, right. Wasn't it from Camden that you made your way over to New York after that across the pond? Yes. So, um I was, yeah, from Camden, I, my, um, my sister worked in New York and I'd been to New York a couple of times and I always wanted to kind of work abroad, um, experience sort of over, over working, you know, just a different life experience. Mm. And um, yeah, I was, I was, I first went over on a student visa, a J1 visa, um, which was like a, you know, uh, and I, I had the same one. A, oh yeah. So in Boston. Yeah. 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 So it's, yeah, so it, it, and it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work to get any sort of visa. It certainly was back yeah. then. Yeah. Um, and I went and I ended up working for a company just north of New York City. And um, you know, so I, I went sort of from being a tree officer, I went, I was lucky enough because I'd worked um in my local village as a tree surgeon, you know, climbing right. trees with chainsaws. I was able to kind of go there um, and also do that. So and, and at that point they were in the UK market, they were trying to recruit people to go and have experience overseas as well right, so I okay. you know I went to work for a company just north of New York and learned all about the American way of doing tree work which which is similar in some ways and very different in other ways yeah um, how so but, how so different um just kind of like um you know the whole plant healthcare thing is huge um yeah. in the U.S. In, in the U.K. it was like you know we didn't really know what plant healthcare was you know for us it was you know, maybe, you know, we, we, we had the old a, a piece of equipment called, I remember the Terra Lift, we went to Kew Gardens and it was, so it was pushing air into the ground to try and get rid of compaction. And we, you know, we knew about mulch right. and things like that, but, you know, it was nothing like all this sort of spraying of, you know, there's a lot of spraying done right in, in the US. There's a lot of mm. like fungicides, insecticides, miticides, you know, there's right. trunk injections, you know, it was Dutch elm disease and then um, using, um, you know, doing all where you drill out all the flares and you put the thing in and right. then it's yeah, yeah. Number one yeah. chemical used. But um, so it was, it was very different to do, to do all that. Um, and also the, the other thing I noticed about the U S is the, is it's a much more, um, you know, there's, it's much more profit driven than I had seen in the, in the UK, mm. um, either working as a tree officer or, or working as a, you know in private as a tree surgeon um, yeah you know that there they were much more like these big u.s tree companies really do push profit right. and I, you know and i think my first experience of it is really i went for one interview before i got the job i, I ended up with at another company another one of the sort of big u.s companies and you know i went for the interview and i wasn't i was actually going to be a like a sales arborist and um, mm -hmm. I walked in there and I had the interview and it was, it was, you know, it was cool. The guy was, the guy was fine. They were very nice, but, you know, just towards the end of the interview, the guy goes, well, you know, you know, cause I was talking about, you know, my tree knowledge, you know, I'm, I'm, right. you know I felt like I was very competent in that, in that regard. And, um, you know, and he kind of said, well, I, you know, it, it's great that you know about trees, but I, you know, we can kind of teach you that. I, I, I need to know if you can sell. Right. I was kind of like <laughs> taken aback by that. And it's like, well, I, you know, surely it's yeah. about, trees first and sales later but in his mind it was about sales first and um and, and trees 
second, mm. second to that. Yeah. And I think that once yeah. I worked as well for this other company, I could see that um, it was very, it's a very profit driven um, industry. Um, and, I, and I think that, um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it, we're challenged, right? And I'm not going to blame anyone, but I think uh, we're challenged ethically in terms of the industry that we work in. You know, there's always this excuse of like, well, if I don't cut the tree down, you know, some other company will do it. You know, the client wants mm-hmm. the tree down, so mm-hmm. someone's going to do it. And, and I just think that um, people can kind of take advantage of that. And, and as you know, I, I speak in many places about sustainability and about urban forestry in general. And I, and I you know, sometimes I just think that this, you know, we, we are too um, limited in, our, in the way that we approach the subject. And these tree mm-hmm. companies, many, many tree companies, both in England um, and in the US, they have very strong um, resources geared towards pruning trees, removing trees, um, yeah. line clearance, so forth but they might hardly plant any trees at all um so you know they're harvesting right we harvest and you know i've, I've worked with these companies but and, and it's just so weird because you go into a garden you, you cut down a few trees you prune some of the trees and then and then you just go to the next one you go to the next one you, you don't really there's no concept of the fact that all the time you do that you're reducing no. the canopy cover in that city or town it, you know you, you just kind of yeah you're it. yeah it's hard kind of to, to, to see further than, you know, the day-to-day operations. It's very much kind of led by what needs to happen in terms of that site location on that day, on that work order, instead of kind of looking at the broader vision. So, I mean, how do you, how do you balance that now as, you know, being responsible for Santa Monica's urban forest? Because that's got to contradict itself somewhat. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's, and, and, and when we think about, you know, it's interesting, we think about forestry, right? We think about sustainability and, um, you know, the nice thing about a, a forest, right, is you tend to have one landowner and you can kind of control where we're going to cut down this many trees. We've got this many semi-mature trees and yeah. we're going to plant this many trees. It, it's kind of a complete cycle within one thing. Obviously, the problem you have within a city or a town is it's all these different landowners all doing different things. You've got developers, you've got tree companies, you've got utility companies coming in, and you've so got many city. threats. You've got, all, yeah. Yeah, you've got all these people working in their little bubbles. Right. Um, and, and no one's really thinking about the big term, you know, the, or the, the bigger picture. Um, and I, you know, and I think many people think someone else is thinking about it because I'm not thinking about it. Um, and, um, do they assume it, you're thinking about it? Do they assume? Do they assume that that's that's your job? Well, uh, you know, Matt's looking out for us on that regard, or what? Do yeah, they I think? mean, yes, City of Santa Monica. So within my realm, which is the thirty percent of the urban forest here, you know, I have my in my urban forest master planner and the city's urban forest master plan. Should I say we have our sustainability metrics and we have annual metrics, five year metrics, ten year metrics, and so we, you know, we know that our resource, the public trees is a sustainable resource because we're looking at how many trees remove how many trees we plant we're looking at species diversity we're looking at age diversity we're looking at how many of the trees we plant actually survive we're looking at stocking rates on our on our um, you know on our streets how many trees do we have compared to how many trees could we have Uh, you know our five-year metrics our annual metrics our five-year metrics we're looking at um, um, ecosystem services is that, you know, what the, the environmental, the function of our urban forest, is that going up or is it going down? Um, right. Looking at that, we're using high tree streets. So, um, yeah, I think high tree streets, we, we use it on just our street trees. Um, we're also looking at um, our mortality study. Sorry, I, I mentioned that before. We're looking at mortality studies. So out of all the trees we plant, how many survive? It's currently yeah. at about 80%. So we have to think about that with our net tree gain or loss, like are we planting enough trees based on the fact of how many we're removing and what our mortality rate is? Or sure. how many how many trees should I say are surviving? So we've got a 20% mortality rate, is what you're saying. And then okay. on top of that, we're looking at um, canopy cover citywide. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we're still not quite there when we look at canopy cover to actually be able to easily break out private trees compared to public trees. I really right. think we're going get to the, get there soon. But that would be the you know, so we're just looking at it to see why. But I, I kind of know that my resource is um, the 
piece of it, my 30% of the urban forest here in Santa Monica is sustainable because of those metrics. And, and we, we report to a urban forest task force and, and when we're looking at those and we're monitoring those. But what's going on in the other, you know, what is it, yeah. 90,000 trees? I don't know, we've got the, you know, we've got, um, you know, our canopy study. So we can see that citywide, we lost a little bit of canopy um, over between 2005 and 2014 was the last canopy data we had. And we also, but we do know we lost significant amount of canopy cover on those um, single family residences. Like we lost, yeah. I think, as much as 20, 25% canopy cover on those land uses. So, and, and Santa Monica is only eight and a, eight and a half square miles. So it, yeah. it's, no, 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 changes quickly. are happening quickly. It's not like this is, this is slowly, ah, oh, we're slowly missing. I mean, we're losing urban trees at a, an incredibly fast rate in certain yeah. land uses. Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't think we as an industry have any concept of how many trees we're losing. Um, you know, and I think we yeah. occasionally see some data or some research from the US Forest Service that's put out there. Mm. Um, but I, we're not, you know, it's not like we, we have a lot to go on. There was some great data yeah. done here in Los Angeles by um, the University of uh, Southern California, looking at, again, just the, the single family residences looking at Green, um, green cover loss. And again, significant loss in all the cities. And I think they look at council districts within um, mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And it's a great research paper, but again, significant loss and, and over a very you know, short time frame. I think, again, it was like five years or nine years. But, yeah, you know, you're bizarre. looking 20, 25, 30% green cover loss and an increase in impervious surface. Um, and, yeah. I, and, you know, and that's why I always say that we kind of like, oh, well, you know, trees, it's a, it's a renewable resource, you know, we're going to be fine. But if we're concreting over everywhere well, we have trees or buildings, yeah, buildings yeah. where we have trees, then it, it's, even though the tree itself is renewable, if there's no space for them, then it's... Well, it's yeah, gone. that and also, you know, we're not cutting down five-year-old trees. We're cutting down trees that are much, much older than that. So the rate at which, you know, you would have to replace these trees and how long that would take, I don't think we really have any conception of just how long that would be before you're at the same biomass level that you've lost right and I think we often talk about the rate of losing trees as in individual stems but we forget to mention just how much you know basal area to use a forestry term that we've that we've lost yeah and, and you're absolutely right we also you know we all know that um you know we get vastly more exponentially more benefits right from our larger trees yeah. and um, yeah and and therefore we and, and therefore we need to protect those um, yeah yeah. you know and, and preserve those at the same time of having an aggressive planting program um, yeah. to make sure that we've got replacement for those trees but i just don't think within the industry that i've seen so far is is that people are joining up the dots well enough you know and i think we we have a chance to be able to do that in the in the public realm like i think mm -hmm. we're doing a, a good job of that saying santa monica in the public realm so in street trees and park trees you know i think we got we can do that we can be sustainable and we have a good chance but it's, mm -hmm. it's all in these, on the private realm, where it seems to be a little bit of a free-for-all and we're kind of relying on people to do the right thing. Um, and, and, to, and, you know, private tree ordinances tend to be geared at just the very large, well-known trees. But we have lots yeah, of like mid-sized, medium-sized trees that are just not being protected and, and therefore, are, you know, potentially could be removed just yeah. in one, you know, bad arborists to come in and and you know again i, I and just to carry on with the sort of you know the sort of uh, you know some of the qualifications within our industry do not set the bar very high i mean it, right you know, yeah i know that i know you've mentioned that in the past too yeah 200 question um, multiple choice test with a little bit of um sure and then you've got your certification to get your chainsaw yeah, going and yeah, yeah to wax lyrical on whether any size tree can be kept or removed sure yeah. Um, you know, now yeah. we're, we're making things slightly more difficult, right, with the things like the board certified master arborist or like with the uh, risk assessment qualifications, um, right. which, which, again, adds higher levels of expertise. But, you know, as, as someone who works, you know, as, as a tree officer or as a, you know, as an urban forester, you have people, you know, well-respected or, or good arborists coming to you wanting to 
recommend, oh, this tree needs to be removed. And, this tree, and, and then it's just like, what are you talking about? There's nothing wrong with that tree. Or you're really yeah. grabbing at straws. And it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you feel like they're kind of hired guns for their clients. And it's just like, what's, yeah. you know, as an industry, what's our end game here? Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I, I just think ethically, it was, it, was, it was funny. I was listening to someone had to do their ethics training the other day and a, a, a friend. And it was hours and hours and hours of the most boring, horrendous videos about ethics. Um, but on the other, but I was just thinking, wow, you know, you have to do all that and do, yeah. and, and, and you know, they drill it into you. Whereas us, you know, I, I think many of us, it's just like, you know, it's like a short paragraph, read the paragraph, sign at the bottom, there, you're good. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah. you know, what's the follow-up? When did you, you know, within the tree industry, what's the, the follow-up on, on bad ethics? Is there a follow-up? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've yeah. never heard of anyone being, yeah. hey, you made a really bad decision on that. And now you get taken to the, you know, ethics board and you have to explain yourself. I mean, when, when did anyone hear that? I mean, say, you know, obviously if you cut down a protected tree, a tree company might get taken to court or, or whatever by a local city or town, but it's, it's not like they get struck off from the, the no 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 and then the at the end of the day you know you've still lost that you still lost that tree so i think it's i think it's clear in terms of training and education and empowering people not just with the right skill set but also the right knowledge to go with that skill set i think is critical to even addressing this within the industry but how have you seen or how do you see the role of technology in actually being able to combat all of these different problems that you've really seen within the sector yeah, so I think that I think the thing with technology is it's really going to shine a light on um, really once we can break out private um, tree canopy versus public, I think it's going to shine a light on what's been happening in, in right. you know many different land uses, um, in the, and particularly in people's back gardens or in golf clubs or whatever, and, and just you know people will be able to have a look you know historically look back at what canopy cover they had and, and what they have now, and, and we'll be able to kind of gauge where we're going. I mean, my fear is, is that um, it's going to be too late, um, that the, 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 the target is moving too quickly. I mean, obviously, mm. it's never too late, but, it, you know, we're losing a lot of trees. I mean, like, what, did, what did the U.S., I think the U.S. Forest Service thought we lost 36 million trees. 36 in, million, yeah. In yeah. five years I think it was something. in five years' time, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's just, I mean, and that was old, old data, right? Um, yeah, so and, I, I, and only urban trees, we should say. Urban, right, urban yeah. trees. Um, and I just think that, um, you know, that, so I think the technology will, will help us. Um, and, yeah. and the more available it becomes, and, and uh, you know, and also the cost is becoming much more reasonable. I mean, before, yeah. years it ago, accessible. it used to be very expensive to do an urban tree canopy study. Um, it, would, it would take a long time to do it. Um, yeah. And, um, but now... You know, there's there's chances that you can you know get it done for much less, or that you can pay a retainer and then get that data right. on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, like when I first set up my metrics, even for Santa Monica, and that was only five years ago, I was thinking, yeah, urban tree canopy, every ten years would do it. Um, sure. But now it looks like, you know, you might be able to do it every couple of years, and I think that's yeah. much more important and relevant. And 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 I think it's important because we need to be able to take that data and then communicate it out to the community. And yeah. get them to understand that if they don't take a stand against the loss of trees on private land, because that's where you know urban trees. That's where it's happening. Private, yeah, that's where the majority of urban trees are. Then their communities are not going to look like they look now, or, or maybe maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to say, "Hey, look, we want you know we want development. We want you now. you know." It, it's up to them. But um, unfortunately, there's no sure. informed decision right now. Right. And yeah. I think people are thinking that someone else is looking at it or taking responsibility for it. And it's like, mm, no, I don't think they are. And, and yeah. you know, we're an um, industry that's, that's a very, you know, you don't need to, you know, it's not very hard to be a tree trimmer, right? Um, and particularly when you've got bucket trucks, right? Because all you need to be able to do is do this with a couple of handles and start a chainsaw and, and be okay with heights. Um, and you can, you can be a tree trimmer. And obviously I'm, I'm not, I don't want to take away from, highly skilled tree trimmers but um you know when i started in the industry you had to have a rope and harness and you had to get up a tree and you had to use yeah. a chainsaw so at least yeah. there was a, like a physical barrier to be able to yeah. <laughs> take down big yeah. trees because yeah. you yeah. couldn't there wasn't we didn't have bucket trucks in the uk now you know and now they're getting those sort of platforms there but you, you know you can still if you really wanted to take down a tree there was always someone who was able to do it but yeah. 
um, you know, but it, it's not like it's a very, uh, it, there's not many barriers to it. So no, it's um, it's easy to cause a, a lot of a lot of damage for a tree that has been growing for for decades. So it's, yeah, it's, I, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's, I, it's done I just, within yeah, within minutes. The other day, I just saw a company turn up my local bank, and it was incredible how much you know, like you, you use the phrase biomass, they were yeah. able to remove in a day. I mean, it was yeah. like you know, two truckloads yeah. of biomass removed after they essentially topped a couple of ficus trees. Sure, and, and yeah. you know yeah. just getting up close to them though they couldn't make proper cuts there was chainsaw clutter and, and no one's um particularly regulating that no one's particularly looking at that um yeah. and and again it's like you know i i when i first started in the industry if you, if you heard a chainsaw it'd be like oh wow i can hear a chainsaw there must be another mm -hmm. tree surgeon somewhere and you would you know it'd mm -hmm. be a big deal um now when i come to work on the freeway there's tree companies everywhere big tree companies yeah. and, and and i'm not seeing trucks full of trees going to be planted i see sure. trucks that are just chippers and yeah. you know large truck pulling a chipper and they're off to prune or remove they're off to remove biomass um, yeah. from the urban forest and i don't see as many trucks taking trees into plant so i just think it's it's so funny because there's such a disconnect between our tree companies and who's planting the trees it's like who do you think is planting what what you've removed today you know who yeah. we you know, who, who do you think is going to do that yeah. if you don't it's, do it? It stems, yeah, stems back to that, just the, the lack of a, of a broader vision, right? So I think it's very much, I mean, as you say, so much of the issue, um, you know, if you're able to, you know, protect your, you know, your 30% of the urban forest and able to do that well, because it's within your means and within your control, a large part of it, I don't think Santa Monica is alone in this at all, cities around the world are losing you know, swaths of trees more than they know on private land. So maybe you could just speak to, because I think the term uh, private tree ordinance might not be as familiar to, to some of the listeners of this podcast. So maybe you could just define what, what a tree ordinance is and how you see technology playing a role in not only communicating that to the public, but perhaps also helping to monitor to hopefully alleviate the problem now. Yeah, so yeah, we use these ordinances, it's a, a popular word here, but it would be the same as say in, in the UK, it'd be the same as tree preservation orders, or conservation areas, or any sort of protection. tree protection. Yeah, so where you, where if you had a tree, it was a private tree, I'm a tree owner, I can't just go and do what I want to the tree, I have to go and get permission. Um, yeah. And that means I have to get permission, I might have to get an arborist report to say, hey, I want to do this to the tree, it's not going to damage the tree. And then the city goes, yeah, that's fine. And I get the rubber stamp to proceed. Or it's like, no, you can't do that. That's too much. But we'll let and, you do this. Yeah. And in most places, it's so protected that, I mean, there's even, I've read in some places like San Francisco and New York, I'm pretty sure there's even jail time for, for if you get caught, you know, damaging a tree and you, and you didn't have your permit. Yeah. It, I don't well, know here, if that's actually you know, enforced. If you, yeah. If you damage a public tree here, that's a criminal offense. So you can actually mm -hmm. do stuff. I'm not sure you get to do some jail time, but you said but that's, but that's a public uh, tree. That's a public tree community. Yeah. Service. Um, but yeah, like I used to work in New York, right? Um, and I worked there for nearly 10 years. Um, there's no private tree protection in New York either. So, right. and I think that's kind of why, despite million trees, despite Mayor Bloomberg putting down, I think it was 236 million in tree planting alone, or some big, or maybe more than yeah. 300 million. In tree planting alone to plant you know a million trees um in new york which included 220,000 street trees yeah despite that huge investment in in tree planting the canopy cover in new york is still slipping the wrong way it's still going down i think it was 24 percent it's down to 121 percent it's yeah. still going the wrong way because yeah. there's nothing there's no regulation of what's happening on private land and and uh, you know you can't as you know, just like, and I, I think I've said this to you before, but just as you can't, you know, out exercise a bad diet, you know, you can't out plant for tree preservation. You know, you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, it. It's if you're not preserving those big trees that we spoke about before that are so important, you can plant whatever you want, but you're no, not going to make up for it. Loss. Yeah. Um, and, it, and then and that's not just, you know, in terms of numbers of trees, that's just in terms of ecosystem services, in terms of biodiversity, in terms of everything else. Um, yeah. You're just going to go the wrong way. So I, I, I'm always 
worried when you see these mayoral tree planting programs or greening programs and they, ne they never taught it, it, it to me it has to be we're going to plant this many trees and also we're going to in you know we're going to bring in these tree protection ordinances or we're going to bring in these incentives sure. to protect private trees or, or existing trees they have that to go hand in hand you can't just talk about this and that and you always hear yeah. it it's like an uh, you know jeremy barrel's been talking recently in the media about this greenwashing this sort of yeah. like um, trying to like sell things green things to be good when really uh, you know doing something quite the contrary kind of in the, in the shadows behind yeah. Um, yeah and i just think that um we need to be you know it's, as an industry as well we can't you know if some mayor comes out and says like you know i'm gonna plant a hundred thousand yeah. trees and i'm gonna increase tree canopy by 30 percent. we should just be calling them out on it and saying that's you're not that's not gonna work mate um it, that's still, not why yeah, it still blows my mind that we can greenwash something like a tree planting campaign. You know, that's that that's how far it's gone now. That's something that supposedly is objectively, you would say, quite good for sustainability, planting more trees. But even that, tree planting campaigns have kind of become um, a cover-up in a way for a lot of the trees that we continue to lose. So, yeah, but... Yeah, I was just going to say back to the back to my question about because I, I just want to I just want to dig into this point a little bit more of, okay, so let's say, you know, we're able to, I think it's kind of twofold, we can we can use technology, most likely remote sensing, LIDAR, satellite imagery, drones to a certain extent, to better map, you know, areas that you would not otherwise be able to see, you can't look into people's backyards unless you're doing so from the top down to be able to see the damage and communicate that damage to the public as well, as well as other stakeholders. But then from there, you know, how could technology play a role in actually helping to enforce that tree ordinance that may or may not be in place? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's very, you know, and because when I talk about sustainability, it's really hard because I don't think there's an easy answer to, because of the fragmentation. But I, I just do think that the technology could have a, a, a role to play even for tree companies or anyone just because it, we have to kind of it's like you have to kind of in my mind the, the only way to really approach it is you kind of have to look at every property every yeah. area land area as its own little piece and if you say yeah. if you if you want to you know and i think people are throwing out this 30 percent canopy cover which which is great but if you if you work enough in urban forest you realize they're not you know it's it's sort of dependent on rainfall it's dependent on space so some cities just never going to have 30% canopy cover mm. unless we can dig up the whole city and move it to somewhere where there's a lot more rainfall and we can get rid of a sure. lot of the population. And, you know, it, it's just, no, it, it, to me, it's, it, 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 you know, you have to canopy cover the actual- Local context have. is important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, but I do think that say, say your city is like wants 30% canopy cover, then at least you could use the technology, I think, to help say that as a property owner, you know, the city as a whole, we've, we've committed to 30% canopy cover. You as a property owner, you have to have 30% canopy cover on your property. Um, right. And then kind of use the technology, use drones or use whatever to show right. that, oh, well, I removed this tree, so I'm planting these trees. I'm not, you know, print, you know, so that, that's your responsibility to kind of maintain. And, and, I, and I don't know, it, it's, it's so hard to get your head around it. Um, but I think that it, it would be, um, or use technology to be, kind of like particularly like with you know like golf courses or things like that these bigger areas again to try and break it down to say hey this is the canopy goal for your location this is what you expect to have and again you can just kind of fact check it as a municipality or whatever that they are yeah. fulfilling their responsibility because I you know I see that with, with planning when they're saying well they have to have so much percentage green space so a quick way of, of using technology to actually check that um, yeah or using technology to project forward what the canopy cover will be based on the tree planting that they're doing and you know and, and also just monitoring right i think the other thing we have as a as um and, and again we have to be careful not to be too big brother but um mm -hmm. we have to be careful when we're looking in people's back gardens and, and monitoring um but yeah. it does mean that if if there is a responsibility for private tree owners say as part of a development agreement they have to plant these trees can we quickly use technology to check that those trees are still there, that the check the trees yeah. are still alive? Um, because that's the only way, you know, enforcement's very difficult um, anyway. Um, but, it, you know, it'd be a good, a good, maybe it's a good way of doing it. And I think, you know, we, I think we talked yeah. about it before as well, is 
illegal removals, right? You have a conservation area and yeah. you have all these trees that are protected, but then in back gardens are hard to see. Yeah. Can we use technology as a real-time way to kind of like, oh, hang on, the system's pinging that it looks right. like lar a large tree's been removed from the back of that property. Yeah. Do we know about it? Oh yeah, we do. They got a permit. Okay, we're good to go. Oh no, we don't know about it. Then that would maybe uh, create someone going out to the site and saying, hey, it, it looks like we had a tree here, but now we can't see it. Can I just come in and have a look? Um, yeah. And then you might be able to you know, use enforcement that way. So I, I yeah, think and that, that, that conversation wouldn't happen unless you were able to see that, right? Within this uh, remote sensing Yeah, system. unless the neighbor called in and they or the, they didn't like it being removed or chainsaw on her yeah. chainsaws or whatever. But yeah, it could be basically eyes in the sky, real time um, surveying. And again, with big developments, yeah, it's really hard, you know, municipalities with tree officers. I mean, ultimately, it's the tree officers, the urban foresters that would be overseeing any sort of protection ordinances in people's backyards. Yeah. Um, having yeah. the ability to get pings if it looks like large canopy trees have been removed. Yeah. Um, just so you can then stimulate the inspection would be, would be, would be a big deal. I mean, obviously, yeah, it might I think not be enough to prosecute yeah. people because our legal team will probably find reasons why or problems with saying well you know this isn't enough evidence but at least yeah it flags up the issue and if there's a responsibility to have a certain amount of canopy cover then you can kind of at least get them to replace the trees or, or, or whatever i don't know yeah. But yeah no and it's it's about giving the you know let's say there is a private tree ordinance campaign it's about giving that campaign you know more gravitas than only a, a policy line in a document saying okay there's actually a system behind this we are watching it might not be enough to indeed to prosecute but like th th that's maybe not even the goal of this the goal is simply to 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 give a sign to all of the stakeholders whether that's street care companies or developers or whoever it might be that might be in the position to be illegally or illegally removing private trees to show them you know you can't just do that in this city without there being um some backlash because yeah. because we'll see it and I think yeah. that 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 might be enough. I mean, we've yet to to test this somewhere, but you know, maybe Santa Monica will be the first. <laughs> that I I, th I think that might be enough to at least curb the massive rates of, of of urban, you know, private urban deforestation that we're seeing now. Yeah, and I and I just think having real time data on tree canopy and changes in tree canopy rather than having to wait years and years for study you know the city to perform a study but and it's too late know, once, you've got different once, landowners it's yeah. different developers he's left once, town you know that's yeah once the technology is caught up then we can actually you know maybe have like a you know the one page update on tree canopy in santa monica and this is what we've got by neighborhood and this is what we've got by land use and this is what we've yeah. got privately and publicly and it keeps people focused on uh, mm -hmm. on what's going on um for you sure. know i think that um you know, we see cities, you know, with eye tree data. Well, you know, we, we collected, you know, nine million gallons of stormwater or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, these things are good, but I, I just think the number of trees is really the most thing that, to me that kind of like resonates the most with, with the yeah. public and particularly the number yeah. of trees in their neighborhood. Yeah. Then you can, you know, the eye tree stuff is a good sort of add on, but it's really mm -hmm. how many trees do I have in my neighborhood? Is that is that more than we had before? Is that less than we had before? Where are these yeah. trees? Uh, and then, you know, then you couple in preservation, you couple in tree planting, and then you get kind of get people excited about the greening in their in their neighborhood, right? Because I think you keep having to break it down to a neighborhood because again, I see Definitely. cities yeah. churning yeah. out data about the city and it's a bit like, well, you can't really get your head around like Los no. Angeles, I can't really get my head around. Canopy covers twenty percent in Los Angeles. You know what? What does that, what does that mean? mean? Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Giant yeah. place, but you know yeah. what? How much canopy covers on my street? How much canopy covers in my my area? How much? You know. So um, I think it's you know. So I think the technology is going to be really interesting because it's going to make us be able to interact and understand, and then also yeah. the impact, right? So if we do it, if we do just say, hey, as a city, this is a new tree ordinance that we want. We're going to do this. Yeah. Then we can actually yeah. see is that tree ordinance working or is it not working if it isn't working yeah. then we can do something about it or if it is working then we can justify keeping it going because any form yeah. of tree ordinance or tree protection for private trees is going to do a number of things it's not only going to protect trees but it's going to slow development it's going to make development more expensive and it's going to make tree work more expensive and you know 
people listening who do tree work know it's a real pain to go and get a permit from the city to prune a tree or remove a tree because you have to deal with the tree officer you have to give them this information they have to review it you have to come back you know what i mean it costs money as well there's probably a fee or whatever so so there's always some resistance against it you know planning departments you know it's a lot of paperwork planning departments there's a lot of um you know, it can create a lot of friction as well within communities. People get very upset. They're like, I want to build, this is my land. I want to build this house the way I want to build it. And you're telling me I can't do it because there's a tree in the way. Um, yeah. That creates a lot of friction and a lot of, a lot of potential legal battles. So, you know, having that sort of buy-in from the community as a whole of saying, hey, we're doing this, we're, we're preserving these trees for these reasons, you kind of yeah. have to bundle it all up together. Um, and and, you know, yeah. just building on that, I would also love to see us have a sustainability um, accreditation for our tree companies. You know, we talked about mm -hmm. ethics before, we talked about these qualifications. I just think now there's no incentive for any of our tree companies to say, hey, we removed 100 right. trees last year, but we planted 300 trees. And, and mm -hmm. it, you know, get a like a, a urban forest sustainability accreditation to your tree company sure. to say that you're yeah. one of the good guys, right? You, you care about the bigger picture you're not just in this for short-term gain you're yeah. thinking about having an industry that's sustainable and can last um and i think that we need to look at that as well because if we just if we don't then you know like i say we've got a neighborhood in santa monica and it's it's just i think it's been reported now as the third most expensive postcode in america which is uh, one of our it's, a, it's right. a neighborhood in santa monica called north of montana that's the one we saw the biggest canopy loss. Like, I think it was nearly 30% canopy loss in nine years. So if I'm a tree company, that's an awful lot of work that I'm no longer ever going to get because all those trees that I could have potentially worked on have gone. So I've lost a lot of pruning yeah. jobs, a lot of consultancy jobs, a lot of, yeah. you know, and it, all that, and not only those trees gone, there's been bigger buildings put back in where those gardens yeah so there's so no chance like of them coming back yeah yeah it's not like well they put new trees in and i'm going to get the work in the future it's not it's like no as an industry we're getting pushed out of these neighborhoods so right. i would love to see our industry lead like our like our, our, our sort of professional bodies they should be advocating for private tree ordinances or or tree preservation ordinances because their members depend on trees to make a living so if we yeah. lost 36 million urban trees in five years, that's a lot of work. Our it's industry work just, lost, yeah. just lost and yeah. it's happening super quickly. So it's like, why aren't we hearing, you know, our industry bodies um, lobbying? Why aren't they, you know, spending money on lobbying for stronger protection of trade? You know, we can't just keep saying, oh, trees are good, you know throw out some yeah. eye tree data and hope that everyone gets on the gets on the right bus. Sure. We know that isn't working. You know, everyone's like smiling and going, yeah, yeah, trees are important. We'll, we'll plant some trees over here. But but the wheels of development, the wheels of like um, urbanization are not waiting for us to catch up. You know, in my yeah. mind, the bus has already left and we're kind of still faffing around. And I, I think another problem is we're kind of like, Many of our, you know, a lot of people are making money cutting down trees, um, but it, it's, 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 and, you know, I always, I, when I, when I speak about this, I always talk about the golden goose, right? Um, the gold, you know, trees are like gold, the golden goose, right? If you just, it, it'll keep providing for us. If we have trees, we have a great industry. We can make, you know, we can make good money. We can have a healthy environment. We can do the right thing. But if you, if you, if you cut the tree down, if you kill the goose, it's not going to, you know, there's no gold inside. It, no. it, it, it's not going to lay any more eggs and we're done no it's over yeah so you have to you know we have to preserve what we make our money on which is which is urban trees and we can't just be you know i just see people just like and it's just kind of shocking that um people just don't think about where these trees are going to come from the ones they're cutting down at such a, a quick rate and you know the fascination with big equipment and cranes and just how quickly we can cut down trees and it's a bit like the efficiency of it is bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, you, think, yeah. where you know, what's eventually you're going to run out of trees, right? And we're going to go further and further. Away. It's it's just a very sort of like my mind. It's a very narrow view of, of, of the industry, and it's and it's this idea. You know, unfortunately, a boreal culture is it's it's too narrow. We don't need yeah. a boreal culture. We need urban foresters because we work mm. in an urban forest. We don't work in 
you know, a board of cultures is fine for like doing risk assessment and making a pruning recommendation. But you just, you know, in my mind, in this industry, you can't just be an arboriculturalist. You have to be an urban forester. You have to be good at looking at trees. You have to know about disease and risk and whatever. But you actually also need to be thinking about if I take this tree out, if I do bigger this, picture. What does it mean? How yeah. am I going to replace its loss? Or, you know, how am I going to offset its loss? Because if you don't, then ultimately you're on a you know the the resources is in decline and really you're not being responsible to to the resource or to the industry um you're just kind of like taking from it and not replenishing it which which is a which is a problem and we're not you know it's not like you know the thing with forests right forests you actually have natural regeneration we don't have natural regeneration um in the urban forest it's not like these street trees are going to start growing and you know um, yeah. without sort of like someone planting them or caring for them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, you know, fishing, right? Um, you know, fish, fish, fish stocks will replenish. We don't have that. Um, you know, urban, urban woodlands, maybe, but when I'm talking about street trees, I'm talking about No, it's up to us. Gardens. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's so funny because when I was talking, thinking about that as uh, preparing for a talk, I was like, wow, how much money have we made as an industry out of like self-sown sycamores or self-sown Norway maples or in New York, it was tree of heaven. Over here, it was Mexican fan palms that just pop up all over the place. I mean, that's only the only sort of natural regeneration that we get. And it's not really, a, you know, most of the time there is occasionally beautiful trees, but it's not usually a very high value. But again, you know, we're lucky, right? Because we've made, a, we've made an awful lot of, you know, money removing these self stone <laughs> trees yeah. or pruning them or whatever. Um, yeah. But that's kind of like, you know, we, but we can't rely on that to replenish the urban forest. Um, so I, I just really, I really concerns me that, that not enough people are taking responsibility. And I, and I really hope that technology will help, you know, shine a light on that um, and, and just kind of like, um, you know, get people to be more accountable, get our industry yeah. to be more accountable, get our big tree companies, get the, you know, we've got big tree companies here with great resources um, and just get them thinking about the sustainability of, of urban trees where we work and what they can do to kind of um you know ensure that they're not just taking from the urban forest they're also replenishing it for the for the you know if nothing else for not you know for no, for no other benefit just to keep their company yeah i mean if they're solvent, so profit right? yeah if they're so profit driven then this might be the way to, to go about that like you said even if it's just that but of course it's so much more matt i don't i don't think enough people are well, I know not enough people are talking about this. And I think the having, you know, that that other side of the urban forest and having that light be cast on it, I think that's the most important thing that we can do to make sure that, um, you know, our urban forest still exists when uh, when our kids are, are holding our jobs, perhaps. Um, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's hard not to be, you know, it's, it seems like a very negative thing and I don't like to be negative, but it, it is. Well, that was my a, next question. Important. What is the, what is your hope for the future? So, yeah, my, my, because there's a, you know, and I, and I'm not, and I, you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think all tree companies are just profit driven and they're, you know, they're, they, don't, they don't care. I mean, that, that would be wrong of me. Um, I just think they need to, I think we, I think all of us, right. We've got, and, it, and it's taken me a long time in my career. I've worked in trees for 25 years now. It's taken me a long time to, to kind of get to this point um, of, of just kind of just thinking it through and, and, and thinking about sustainability and what that actually means. Because again, I think that's a, it's, it's, so many words we use these days they're just mm. you know people just saying it and, and again it's like if you if i keep saying it maybe it'll become true and i just i think that, that's wrong um mm-hmm. what i hope in the future is i hope that we are more honest with ourselves but we're more um honest about what we're trying to do um and, and you know if we do care about the urban environment if we do care about uh, the well-being of people right and we do want to make healthy cities where people actually enjoy to live. And I've, you know, I've got a beautiful park outside here now full of trees. Um, if, if we do care about those things that we actually, um, you know, we, we try and balance that a little bit more with, you know, uh, with, with, with what our industry, you know, we, I understand that tree companies need to make money and we need places, you know, we, development is kind of natural, right? Urbanization, but we do it in a smart way. We don't just, kind of do it in the sort of like the sort of easiest way or the most thoughtless way um, sure. you know and you know it's like you know and I and I'm, I'm 
you know, like at the moment, there's green buildings, right, that are covered in trees, right? And it's like, you know, if you need a crane to put the tree in when it's, you know, brand new and it's, you know, 10 stories up in the air, you know, are we just kind of like, is that just a distraction from the fact that maybe we should have put the building inside a giant park with decent sized trees on the ground? I mean, I think it's great that you've got a, you know, a tree that, and you know, I don't if it, you know, and it, it seems to me like a maintenance is horrible. It's never going to do anything, right? And no. it just seems like a distraction from the fact that we, sure. you know, yeah. let's, let's not be distracted from the problem. The problem is, is yeah. we need space for big canopy trees. Yeah. Sticking a few trees on the outside of the building is fine, or sticking a few on the roof is fine. In my experience of working in New York um, and living in New York and living in high rises, is that trees on roof terraces never do that well you know and don't get me wrong i mean i you know and that's just my personal experience of working on trees on roof terraces it's, it's horrible they can never get that big and it's all you're always kind of worrying that i get ripped out and going forward yeah. so i'm thinking when you've got you know i was there for like superstorm sandy when that's coming in you're thinking mm, maybe i'm gonna be a little bit careful about where i where i walk and get hit by a tree yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah but, but then yeah. you know i i just hope that we're that we can be honest about it um and that mm. we can be and, and then we just don't keep sticking our head in the sand and pretending it's someone else's problem. It, it's not someone else's problem. It's our problem. It's happening right now. Um, and we need, to, we need to get on because urban trees in most cities, we know in the US, are declining. We're getting pushed out of cities um, as an industry. We're getting, we're getting pushed out. Um, more concrete's going down. And, um, you know, and we've got, we've got lots of members within our group that are, are not necessarily... I don't think are necessarily waving the white flag. You know, yeah. this, this whole risk management thing is out of control. Um, you know, and, and, and again, I, I think the nice thing is when, when I worked in like London, it was very arboriculture based, you know, we we're very good arboriculturalists, but we didn't really, we did a lot of pruning, not so many removals, but we did a lot of, but we didn't do ranch planting. I went to New York and I, and I worked for, you know, I was a forester, I wasn't an urban forester, I was hired as a forester. And it was very much like remove prune, uh, sorry, move plant, remove plant. It was very aggressive removals, and yeah. but aggressive planting as well. And it was kind of funny because when I went to New York, I was like, uh, my my then director sent me out to go and have a look at these trees. And I came back, and I came back with this sort of like like laundry list of pruning prescriptions. And the guy just looked right. at me and just said, "Look, can you come into my office? Just shut the door." And basically said, "Look, what's wrong with you? You know, what were yeah. you talking about?" I'm like, you know, because I was like, "Well, you need to." The limb going out on the east towards the house from reduce that by 35%. You know, the limb on the remove plane. Guys, like, look, if it needs anything more than us removing the dead wood out of it, we're just going to cut the tree down and plant a new one because because they were yeah, like yeah, forestry-based yeah, yeah. operations. It was it wasn't, yeah. and I and I think Santa Monica, we, we're trying to balance the two. Right? Mm. I just you know we, we you know if we spend vast amounts of money trying to preserve one tree. What are we losing by not spending that money on planting trees? You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I see it time and time again. They're just, it's just like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting all that money trying to preserve potentially not that, that great a tree anyway? You could have spent yeah. the money planting 20 new trees. And, and in terms of the urban forest, it would have been a far better solution planting yeah. new trees, spending all your time and effort doing that rather than getting out the tomograph, getting out the arbosonic, doing whatever you wanted to do for hours on end you know, the, the tree kind of reached its end of its natural life expectancy or its useful life expectancy, just kind of move on. So again, I think <laughs> in a long-winded answer to your question, I just, I just hope that we can be more honest with ourselves. We can think more about long-term, not just short-term. Yeah. Think about, yes, I understand people have to make a living, but, but really think about the, the well-being of our resource in the long haul what sort of legacy are we leaving for our future generations? Um, yeah. Because we can't just keep taking from the urban forest and not thinking about who's putting back into it. And we can't think that someone else is doing it. We have to take responsibility. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, when I speak, I always have a slide of like, you know, the guy in the Amazon, right? If you just, if you just get in the Amazon, just cutting down trees, taking out the timber and then not thinking at all about the consequences, is that any different from going into someone's back garden, cutting down a tree and just walking away? And then go into another garden and come down another one, another garden and come in. If you're not, if you're not replenishing the resource that you're taking from, are you really any different from some of those illegal loggers in some rainforest somewhere?
I'm not, I don't really see that you are that much because again, there's no thought of replenishing the resource that you're taking. No, I, I agree. And I think that's probably a good comparison to really put it into, into perspective for people is to talk about urban deforestation and call it deforestation because typically that's a term that people associate with the Amazon or with Borneo. But that's that's exactly the same process that's happening in our cities. Yeah, and it's so, being done in shiny red trucks pulling chippers and people smiling and, and sure. with statements like trees are good written on the side of their trucks. And, and, and it, yep. again, it's that accountability. It's that being realistic and honest about what, what's going on. Yeah, you um, I think there in that last answer, there was a ton of really good you know, advice for you know other tree officers and urban foresters that are facing a lot of you know similar private deforestation. What advice would you give to urban foresters that may still be very much on the fence when it comes to using technology in their work? Um, I just think that you, the, the, the advantage of technology, the advantage of things like metrics, of the ability to provide data, um, and technology obviously helps us a lot to provide the correct data. And that could be, you know, technology, whether it is risk assessment data, um, right the way through to canopy cover data, um, that's really talking about the resource as a whole. Mm. That data helps you paint the picture for your community so mm. they can make decisions about what they want. And, and I think that um, from my experience, whether it's working in New York, whether it's working in London, whether it's working here in Santa Monica, surrounded by Los Angeles, is that um, the reason, you know, the, the way you can activate your community to, to, to get involved in trees and then ultimately keep their city council or keep their, uh, you know, their elected officials responsible or on point is by providing them with that, that data and that metrics. You know, you have to paint a picture that's hard to, to not sort of like, you can't ignore. Yeah. And that's why, you know, that's why it's so sort of, um, you know, exciting that canopy data might be so available you know, like if you think about like Sheffield or whatever, the, the street trees are all they lost. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to have like understood actually, you know, rather than thinking, oh, we lost, you know, 200 trees or 10, I don't know how many trees were lost, whatever. Or, or even after a storm event, I just saw some something on LinkedIn where someone's looking at the canopy cover loss before and after a storm. It just helps people understand um, better what's what's happening. And what's so therefore, yeah. Yeah. And, and you yeah. because without data to guide us, um, you know what, what can we you know we're just talking you know we just it's just there's no substance to it and again it's feeling around in the dark yeah yeah it's like a food diary it's like your the your list of what you have to do at the gym it's like anything it adds accountability what what food diary very very la of you but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what gets measured gets done right. as they say i think i can't remember yeah. you said that but um it, it it just the data and then you can compare the data i mean even like you know like last night, for example, and it's a little bit off topic, but they were, you know, councils asking about, well, why do you need these resources for the beach? And, and you just produce the fact that you have the numbers of people that have visited the beach over since 2017. And you can see that despite COVID, we've actually got more people at the beach now than we did at the same time in 2017. That's why we need these resources to do these things. Um, and, and I think, again, it's also... Um, you know, I know we again we've spoken about it before, but um, we touched on like tree planting, right? If if the if a elected official is putting their name on something that he's going to get this funding to plant ten thousand trees in this neighborhood, you know, having the data to show that that investment, that entrusting of those resources yeah. to that tree officer to that municipality, resulted yeah. in all these trees surviving and all this environmental benefits and all this stormwater catchment and so on and so forth yeah rather than oh they planted all those trees and it was a disaster because that's what you know that's the that's the other thing that you get right is if you if you do it you know that's what you you can also run the risk of being criticized we gave matthew wells all that money to plant those trees and it was terrible and i've had right. that before in my career where it's just like all those trees you plant they die and that's kind of why we did the mortality study where it's like really is that true do the study. No, we've got 80% survival rate. And that's much better than Liverpool in the UK, which has far higher rainfall at 74%. And I think mm -hmm. New York, again, lots more rainfall and they were 76% or something. So actually Santa Monica, we're, you know, we've been in a drought as well. We're actually doing really well with 80% of the trees that we plant surviving. So yeah, 
and, and so again, technology, um, anything that we can use to kind of show that we're doing the right things, or it can also show that, hey, things aren't going the way we want to go. And if we keep not what do we need to change? This, if we keep yeah. not doing anything, then we're going to go further down the hole. So I think, right. you know, because urban foresters were constantly being criticized for you don't know what you're doing, the trees you plant die, you don't remove the trees you should remove, you don't prune the trees enough, you don't know how to prune the trees, you know, da, 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 da. you know, so you, you're always having to defend your position, defend your corner. And yeah. and technology, research, research from other cities. Um, you can always use it to kind of basically shut people up. And, and, but also not only shut people up, but also gain the trust of the people that you want to gain. Um, yeah. and, it takes, you know, and it takes a long time. But once you gain the trust, then you can do the things that you want to do unhindered because they yeah. trust you yeah. and they know that you do you know what you're doing. And, if, yeah. if you, yeah. and you always get the people to come out of the woodwork and say, hey, this isn't ever. And again, oh, well, I know you may think that, but this data shows this or this research shows this or our canopy study shows that or, yeah. or so yeah. on and so forth. And we've been able to do that successfully here. Um, for a number of years and we were and, and I was able to do that as well in in New York with teams in New York and it wasn't obviously me it's a, a very large forestry department but again data collecting data doing research using technology to help us um, again to kind of show that what we were doing was important and we were yeah. doing it well and that we were making good of the resources that were being invested in and that, and that, yeah. I think that's important and I you know and I think that that's the technology has to be good uh, at showing that you're doing you're making the right decisions right. and you're making informed decisions and that you're you know ultimately I, you know i'm not managing my trees i'm managing public trees that people have paid to plant people have paid to maintain uh, uh, to, to prune you know yeah. Uh, yeah. that are in their neighborhoods that they've had a relationship yeah you, with. yeah you owe it to them yeah yeah there's a yeah. lot of responsibility yeah. Yeah. and i and i use technology i use data to show that we're, we're doing the best job that we can or yeah. if I'm not, then I can, I'm going to present that to my task force and maybe they'll call me out on it. And then I mm -hmm. have to adjust. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I try to keep my ego out of it. Like, you know, yeah. You can't, yeah. It, it, it's to allow you to make the right decisions. And sometimes, you know, you get things right. But I think as well, if things aren't going right, if you talk about that and you're open about it, then again, you build trust because people are going, hey, you know, this guy's very honest with us. He's talked about it. But he's also shown us how we can get back on track. So we, yeah. you know, yeah absolutely so to to wrap us up for today um where can our listeners find you online so we have we're about to, we're updating at the moment but i have um a linkedin page people are happy to link in with me um please do that matthew wells of city of santa monica or um we have on our city of santa monica website if you just put in santa, city of santa monica or santa monica urban forestry you can see some information about our program. You know, we have stuff on there about our pruning maps, our planting maps, our tree tree planting prioritization, um, our urban forest master plan, which we've just updated. It's a great source right. of information. We've got our sustainability metrics in that. Um, and yeah, and if, if you want to talk to me about your urban forestry program or need some advice, they can always please email me, um, matthew.wells at smgov.net. And um, by all means, send me an email. I'm always happy to talk to people um, about urban forestry, about their programs, and I'm also happy to provide advice where I can. Um, you know, again, I have my own vision and opinions on things. Some are right, some are probably completely wrong, but, um, you know, I, I'm always happy to share. Yeah, brilliant. And the last question that I ask all of my guests that come on the podcast is, what does the Internet of Nature mean to you? I think the, to me, um, and I've been, you know, I think it, it, it's just the interconnectedness, right, of, of everything, whether it's um, human nature, I guess, whether it's you know the natural world. Um, I, I do, despite I get you know I think from this in this conversation, you know I do get frustrated about things, but I always try and understand that I'm you know I'm still connected, I'm still related to all these things around me, right? I'm just interrelated to everything within this sort of universe or whatever, and I think we we are we 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 have to appreciate that we have to give people the benefit of that we can't get too negative even though it, it can be very easy to get get negative we have to stay positive um, and we have to know that there is you know I, I i do believe that the you know 
in working in this industry. And the reason I like working in this industry for so long is there is so many great, thoughtful people trying to do the right thing. Um, and, and I think that, they, you know, connecting with them and, and like doing podcasts like this, connecting with someone like yourself, with, with people with the same vision, the same passion, obviously gives us, gives us hope. Um, and that we can make a difference and we can and, and, and keep shining a light. We talk a lot shining lights, shining a light on the things that are, are, are just not right or things that can be done better, should we say, or the things that we can do less wrong and, um, and, and, you know, keep pushing forward and making a difference. And again, trying to leave something, trying to leave a legacy, trying to leave the world, I guess, and that cliche saying in a better place than, than the one we found it. So thank yeah. you. Well, cheers to that, Matt. Thanks for coming on. No worries. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Well, that was a fun interview. I really enjoyed that conversation with Matt and I hope you did too. If you did, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast now and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. My conversation with Matt marks the last episode of season two of the Internet of Nature podcast. Just like season one, it's flown by and we really appreciate everyone's kind reviews, downloads and support. Please don't hesitate to share the podcast with anyone you think might be interested in it. Your support means the world to us. It's been an honor bringing you the best and brightest entrepreneurs and innovators working to build greener and smarter cities. We've got a lot up our sleeves as season three is in the works. Stay tuned for more information soon. If any of the stories on the podcast particularly resonated with you, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Internet of Nature podcast. This show was produced by Studio Nord Gestort.